<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 196. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. Get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on the path to a happier life. And for a special offer code for our listeners, visit Talkspace.com slash Jen, J-E-N. Everybody, oh my God, my tour is less than a month away. It kicks off on the West Coast, Cobb's Comedy Club, September 6th. We're hitting, we, me, Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, then we're Boston, New York. York City, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. Everybody get those tickets. And we're headed to Texas and then the South. Oh, my God. And even Ohio. I don't want to mean even Midwest. It's everywhere. And Toronto. So go to JenKirkman.com, click tour dates. And if you want to upgrade, it's $50 a person for a very special VIP meet and greet before every show with me. You will get a laminate, a personally signed poster from me, a professional picture. Yes, you can also take a selfie and a tote bag designed by me. So if you can afford it, do it. Unfortunately, I explain in every episode and I explain it. It's on my website. I cannot do meet and greets after the shows. And I have some fun merch on tour. So bring some cash or you can bring a card, whatever you want. I'm going to have pins. We're going to have posters. We're going to have a little bumper sticker. It'll be fun. And uh, I love talking to you guys. So go to facebook.com slash I seem fun podcast. Every episode has its own post. You can write to other I seem funners in the comment section. Write to me. I love it. Hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com slash I seem fun podcast. If you want to send an email, if you need some advice, or you want to share something, send it to I seem fun at gmail.com. And I will usually read it in the listener email episodes. Keep in mind, I might not answer you personally, and I might not read it on air for at least a month since you wrote. So if you need real, real help, call 911. And I'm part of the All Things Comedy Network. Go to allthingscomedy.com and enjoy all the great podcasts that it has to offer. Go to iTunes, give this podcast five stars, and you can write in the review. Jen told me to write a nice review. All right. Enjoy this week's podcast. I see Jen 
I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast is beginning. Who is this now? I hate when I get texts from people I don't know and I'm like, uh, I don't want to write, who is this? I don't have your number in my phone because there must be a reason I don't have their number in my phone. Like, you know, I've had some falling outs with people at old jobs or other comics or something and I'm like, uh... So I'm just ignoring. I'm just ignoring. Great story. Oh my God, how y'all doing? I know you're going to think it's weird, but remember last week when I recorded PMS? It's I'm recording this on the same night. <laughs> That's how quickly things can turn around. That's how much I love coffee after two cups of coffee. Whew, I start to feel better. I start to focus, although I'm not very focused. Um, what am I going to talk about this episode? Oh my God, I already bored myself. Who yawns after drinking coffee? Well, I took a Zyrtec. Boom, 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 boom. So, I mean, when you want to hear, blah, 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 blah. you want to hear an airport story? Of course you do. Uh... So, you know, global warming is going to get so bad in the next 20 years, they say it's going to start affecting flights, which is something I totally predicted, but you don't know it because I predicted it in my head. But, you know, like when I travel, which is every 10 minutes, we fly through the Midwest. If we are going, we meaning me and the pilot um, and the co-pilot. Co-pilot, I'm like, I got this. Um You know, going from east to west coast, we're always flying through storms and this and that, and it gets turbulent, but there's got to be a point where, you know, like the plane that couldn't land in Arizona or couldn't take off. Oh, Jen, you are full of facts. Is that where it was? <laughs> but there's got to be a point where the storms start affecting travel. And I believe it's happening because, well, not, not always, but there was a delay in my flight the other day. I'm always freaked out when it's not like snow. Like I get that, but this was like, oh, just like summer storms. And I'm like, aha, see, so all you people are afraid of turbulence. Uh, they know not to fly if it's going to be too crazy. But um, there was total turbulence of this flight. It was fine, but um, total turbulence. But uh, uh, what was I going to say? But um, oh my God, this is the worst podcast in the history of podcasts. So I'm flying to New York, New York City, and I'm supposed to leave at 4.30, okay? 4.30, I'm fucking supposed to leave New York at 4.30, the flight's late. I'm like, whatever, from Boston, we take off on time. Fucking Yankees start their games late. I don't know if they do that. I just made that up, but I'm just being someone from Boston who's upset about flights and has to turn it into the Yankees versus Red Sox. <laughs> they turn everything into that. So... I'm going to have a New York versus Red Sox, New York Yankees versus Red Sox themed wedding. No, you're not, honey. Ah, shit. My wife heard me record in my podcast. <laughs> anyway, so 4.30 is supposed to take off. It takes off. Then it says five. I'm like, no big. I'm like, hey, you can even move it later if you want, because it doesn't seem like a half an hour is enough time to circumvent those storms. Yeah. So... Anywho, oh my God, I now know what everyone's talking about because I have the news on in the background. That guy at the Trump rally that was like laughing at every joke, but then was like weirdly adjusting his hat way too aggressively and then made a really angry face. That guy is fascinating. 
he looks like a character that Matt Besser would play. You guys know Matt Besser. Anyway, so I get to the airport. They're like, it's at five. I'm like, that's fine. Easy peasy. JKL. Get on the plane. And we don't take off till six. Totally fine. But I have a car service coming to pick me up in New York. What a rich bitch. I don't have time to have a car service. I'm busy at my job. You know what? Live, laugh, love, lady. I'm tired of your shit. My job is traveling. So what, do you drive to work? I'm too busy to drive to work. Now stop it. You know you drive to work. Okay, I drive to work in my minivan after I drop the kids at school. Okay, well, I don't own a car in every city that I go to, so I get a car service, especially if it's after midnight in a city like New York where I don't want to get in a crazy guy on meth's cab or some stranger on an Uber. I want someone who's accountable to their company. But your life is so easy and highfalutin. I'm like, no, it's not. I, I don't know why people always say that to me. I'm, I travel for a living. I'm not on vacation for a living. Seems like a vacation. I'm stuck in my cubicle. Do you know that I work in a cubicle too? Or well, it's not a cubicle. It's an office. I don't have time to have an office. Oh, forget it. To those of you who are like, who is the live, laugh, love lady? It is an amalgamation of someone in my extended family and my friend from home's sister who called me a rich bitch on Facebook out of the blue on my page. It wasn't in her comment section. She just wrote on my page, I'm a rich bitch who loves Obama. I have no idea. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, I think because she'd added up. She looked at my ticket prices, which were like, I was on tour with the comedians at Chelsea lately. And I think the tickets were between like, I, think, I don't know. She looked at some ticket price, like between 25 and 40. She was like, and you make this much money. It's like assholes. I pay for my own travel. And then I pay a percentage to my agent and manager. And then the venue takes a percentage. So whatever you multiply, you, you know, we want to figure out what I make on a gig. <laughs> take 40% out of that. 50%. I mean, enough. Okay. And that's a live, laugh, love lady. And that, and then the person in my family, she reminds me of, is someone who says she doesn't have time to do things. She's on Facebook 24-7 writing long posts about being a mom. And she works to take care of her family. And all these other women who have kids, they have all this time. Who don't have kids have all this time. That's why I don't have kids because I wouldn't have time to have them. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sitting around like, what would I... Look at all my free time. I'm like, oh my God, I... I have seven hours free a day that I spend those sleeping. If I had a kid, uh, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. So that's who the live, laugh, love lady is. Sometimes you guys ask me that. Okay, so I get this car service. I use them every time I go to New York. Usually the guy texts me well before, you know, like usually as the plane is landing. Oh my God, turn, put it on airplane mode. And he'll be like, I'm here at baggage claim. And I'm like, we haven't even landed. I'll see you soon though. Great conversation. Glad Jen, I am so glad you acted that out for us. So I don't get a text from the guy. No big. I figure he knows the drill. He's been looking, you know, that's their job. They have part of their job is to look at when the flight lands and keep checking if it's on time. So he knows I'm late. I get to baggage claim he's not there. Now, I don't have his personal number. Usually I have it. I just have the number of the company. So I call the company and I'm like, is the guy here? They're like, oh yeah, he's there. And I'm like, can you, I can't 
can you help? So they call me back and they're like, this is weird. Um, he, he shows that he got to the airport at 9 PM. I'm like, that's not even a time. The flight was originally supposed to land at 1230 AM and it landed at 330 AM. And cause it took off so late. And even though we were flying with the jet stream, again, those storms, it took six hours and usually it takes four and a half. So he was like, I guess he has like find me on his phone. I don't know. He's got some tracking system, some NORAD tracking system on his employees. He goes, it shows that his car went into the parking garage at JFK at nine, but then he turned his phone off at 10 and I go, okay. And he goes, maybe he was napping, but his phone's just ringing and ringing. And I was like, oh. He goes, so I'm so sorry. Maybe you want to get a cab. I'm like, oh, no, I know about cabs. I said, sir, I don't want to get a cab at 3.30 in the morning. I hate cab drivers. They drive like they have a death wish. I always get in arguments with them. I'm like, listen, you don't. it's like they have the mind of a, a butterfly. Not because they're cab drivers. I'm saying just like the type of personality that drives a cab. It's like they go 60 miles an hour, even though there's a car right in front of them. And then they slam on the brakes. And then they, I'm like there's a car in front of you. There's always going to be a car in front of you. It's fucking New York city. Just go five miles an hour and just stay in a straight line. We're going to get there faster than if I walked, but stop changing lanes. You're not beating anything. So I just don't like cab drivers. I don't like the way they drive. I don't like the way this car smell like smoke. I like a nice car service where it's like some dude and his prized possession is his Escalade SUV and he don't fuck with it. And he's accountable to the company so that if he does turn his phone off and fall asleep in a parking garage, his boss will know. So his boss will also know if I'm in the car and suddenly they use, they lose him on the track. They lose him on NORAD. In case you're like, what's NORAD? It's what the, the government uses to track all the planes in the sky. It's not really used for car services. So I, go, I don't want to get a cab. I'm a woman. And it's like people forget when, I'm a woman in New York City, JFK at 3.30 a.m. There's basically no one around, which is actually scary. You know, he goes, OK, OK, I'm going to call an affiliate company of mine. I'm like, thank you. So I'm standing there and it's like suddenly like Mexico at the airport. Like every guy is like car service, car service. I'm like, no. And one guy goes car service. I go, I have one. Thanks. He goes, yeah, it's me. I go, no, it's not. Don't, what are, you, what are you trying to bullshit me? I hate coming into New York with suitcases. I want to scream, I'm not a tourist. Although I suppose people who live in New York also land at JFK with suitcases, but I, I, my ego, I can't take it. So this one cap, so this one guy like at the baggage claim, he's at like, car service. I'm like, I have one. He's like, it's me. I'm like, no, it's not. Then he sees me again outside waiting. He's like, I'm like, Get, leave me alone. I have a car service. Then he pulls up in his car and he goes, are you, are you sure, ma'am? I go, get the fuck away from me. And this little girl and her dad were coming out of the airport. Now they were behind me and I was dealing with my adult business, telling someone to get the fuck away from me. And she goes, daddy, she yelled at that man and said a bad word. He goes, I know, honey, some people are rude, rude. It's three. You be- oh, you best tell your daughter that if she wants to survive in this world, she better tell a man who's circling her in a car, who's bothered her three times to get the fuck away. Don't you dare tell her that that's being rude, you dumb dad. I remember I had, so anyway, that was the story. I don't know what happened to the guy. Maybe he's dead. We don't know. Then the guy that picks me up, I go, hey, thanks for coming to get me on short notice. What's the deal? Do I pay you? He's like, no, no, no. The guy at New York, whatever, is going to pay me. New York limo. He's like, he's going to pay me. Oh, my God, a limo? It's not a limo. That's what they call the company. 
He's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, great. And I go, I don't know what happened to the other guy. He like fell asleep in the parking garage. Like, should we be worried that there's a man somewhere in that parking garage asleep? Maybe he's dead. And the guy just looked in, at me through the rear view mirror. It was just like, eh, whatever. Like, no one cares. Ain't got time for dead bodies. So me just yelling about that little girl reminded me. So I went to Emerson College. Wasn't a good school when I went. There was no comedy opportunities there. You had to, I was in a comedy improv group and, uh, and uh, I remember asking the dean of comedy, I think I've told the story 80 times, if there was any avenues for getting into stand-up available to me through the college. And he was like, what? If you want to be a stand-up, you would have made it already. You have to start when you're 18. I was like, oh, okay. And then Kristen Linklater, the head of the acting department, she was all about Shakespeare. And you had to audition again. Not It wasn't a conservatory, but sophomore year, you did this other audition and you would get to take the Shakespeare acting classes. I didn't make it. Oh, boo-hoo. And... Uh, I was like, I don't, I I literally don't like Shakespeare, literally, but I had this great teacher named Rebecca who was like this kind of like, God, she was probably 50 then. And I thought she was so much older. She's like only a few years older than me, seven. And she was like, she was one of my favorite acting teachers because some of the other ones were just people from Boston. Nothing wrong with that, but they were kind of mean. And I think they were mad or something about like they, I don't know, maybe they'd wanted to move and never did. But this woman had lived in New York. She came back. She had been on off-Broadway plays and she was a real gritty actress and she would be like, and I would be like, Rebecca, I feel like such a failure because I didn't get into the Shakespeare thing. She's like, no, you have your own power. She was very into like your own power and touching your, like touching her diaphragm. She'd be like, you're acting real. People don't need just Shakespeare. They need real scenes from life. Let me tell you something. Acting Shakespeare is not going to make you an actress. Life is going to make you an actress. I'll tell all of you. Now she's pointing in the round. She always had the swag swinging her hips. I'll tell all you girls, okay? I was on the subway one night. I was young, new to New York City. And I was sitting on that subway and this guy came on. And he came over to me and said, hey, sweetie, how much for you? And I said, you back the fuck off motherfucker and I was so angry that he got scared and he moved and that is where being an actress comes from deep inside the instinct that says no (laughs) I was like I love this woman so that's my no I am not getting in that cab motherfucker use my diaphragm to tell you excuse me let me do a few vocal warm ups Ha ha! No, I am not getting in that car service. Daddy, that woman's doing vocal warm ups. Who this is? Okay, hang on a sec. Sorry, guys, I have to send a test text to something to my sister. She's helping me out with something. Shout out to my sister who I'm updating something on my website, but I want to see if someone can use it. Okay. When you get there, if the sentence that says, and click and tell me 
have access to a folder of photos. Okay. So, oh, do, so do you know what I want to play? So you know how I'm always talking about customer service in last week's episode with all the like, hi, how are you? How's your day going? I'm such a big, well, I'm a huge Colin Quinn fan. I love his new thing he's been doing with the one man shows. Well, it's not new. He's been doing it forever, but the one man shows. I remember when I went, was, you know, down in New York at the Luna Lounge in the late nineties, like he was on SNL and I didn't really like him on Weekend Update. And then I saw him do this like kind of one man show, which ended up being a one man show that he did about his Irish family at the Luna Lounge. I was like, oh, he's genius. And so I love his special on Netflix called New York Stories or New York Story. And I wanted to play you my favorite part. I think it's legal to do this. Just everyone watch it. It's so fucking funny. He's talking about like small talk, like New York versus I think mainly the West Coast, but just just getting shit done quickly is actually more polite than all the politeness. I love it. I'm going to play it for you right now. Loud, fast talking, uh, sarcastic, wise ass. But what people don't understand is we, what's rude to the rest of the country is polite to us and vice versa. Because <laughs> if I go to a pizza place and you know, give me a slice, that's polite. Because you're not trying to hold the line. There's a line and you're not trying to slow... If you go into a pizza place like, hi, how are you? You must be hot working back there. That's rude. You know what I'm saying? There's no stools. They want you to walk and eat your food. You have to to fold your food and walk. I remember once when I was a little kid, we went to Maine on like a a family vacation in Maine. We go to the general store. I wanted to kill myself in five minutes. I was like, you know, you walk in there and the guy's like, oh, haven't seen you around. Sir, who cares? Give me my... (laughs) What do you care? Give me my soda. Visiting? No, I live here. I was just very shy. It's my first day out of the house. (laughs) You new in town? No, I'm the mayor. I just got elected, actually. (laughs) But, um, yeah. I mean, New York, it's... I love it. I love it! Oh my God, there's a party going on at the hotel across the street and it's like, oons, oons, oons. it's so loud and it's been six hours. I'm losing my mind. All right, let's see what my sister said back. Nothing yet. Okay. All right. So I was going to read this article last time. Let's talk about iced coffee. I'm serious. It's a big thing. I do not drink iced coffee ever. Every once in a while when it's really hot and I'm thirsty, I'll get fooled by my own sugar craving mixed with thirst. And I'll go into a Starbucks type place. I'm like, maybe I should get a fun drink. And then I'm like, no. So if I do, I get something else like matcha, green tea. Ugh. I Iced coffee. Coffee to me is about the warmth and the heat and the aroma that happened. Don't get with the cold brew. I hate that shit. The, the aroma that happens, the heat. I, to me, coffee is about heat. So if it's too hot, then I just don't have coffee. But I usually just drink coffee in the heat. And, and I... 100 degrees, I'm holding a coffee. And I, I don't even need the sleeve. My hands, they're, they're, they're leather. But I read an article about iced coffee. Or maybe it wasn't an article, but it was, it was, it was a discussion point. Hang on one sec. I'm going to get it. Ow. Hang on. I'm getting it. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. Jen, stop it. Where is it? Oh, God, I'm boring myself again. 
I, I can't believe this music. I might have to play it for you, but not right yet. Okay. The Cult of Year-Round Iced Coffee. Oh, that's what it was about. I was like, what? Drinkers, the Cult of Year-Round Iced Coffee Drinkers, an expose. Okay, so this woman is saying it's time to give a platform to the small population. So I want to know if you're one of these people that drinks iced coffee year-round and if you're one of these people like me who only drinks hot coffee no matter what. Um, you can get at me at iseemfun at gmail.com or leave a comment facebook.com slash I seem fun podcast. And this episode, episode 196 will be up and you can write in the comment section. I check it. I love it. Okay. So this is a, that website I love called man repeller. When we hired Matt, our first male employer at man repeller, we joked about how it would feel for him to be surrounded by women all day, every day. What we didn't predict is that another defining trait would ultimately alienate him from the group and force him to defend his kind. He's a year round iced coffee drinker. I find this problematic. When the sun poked through the clouds for the first time this spring and warmed my bare shoulders, I felt reborn. The first time I ordered an iced coffee shortly thereafter, and in lieu of a hot one, a jolt of unadulterated joy shook my cerebral cortex. Sipping coffee through a straw tasted like summer and happiness. In the fall, switching to hot signals coziness. See, I like to be cozy even in the summer. I just love it year-round. Get my summer sweater and a little blanket. Okay, you need to hear this throbbing, pulsing fucking music. I'm in this awesome hotel where it's just all balconies all the way around. And I'm, I'm literally like way high up and I can still hear it this loud. Can you hear this? I am 16 floors up and it is across the street. I couldn't even throw a nickel and it wouldn't hit over there. It would take me five full minutes to walk there from the lobby of my hotel to this place. If it's this loud, how can these people stand it? And it's the most beautiful sunset. I'm overlooking the ocean. Maybe I'll do some of the podcast outside. Can you hear that though? I wonder if you can. Oh, this hotel is so beautiful though. Is this still recording? Okay. I just re-listened. You can hear it. How it's not stopped since 3 p.m. and it's now 8 p.m. And it's just been a song like this the whole time. Nobody's even dancing. It's just, it's like this little garden roof deck, really pretty with Christmas lights. And I'm overlooking the river. I'm down here in Dumbo, Manhattan. I'm looking at boats. The sun is just red and setting right before the ocean. And we have this obnoxious party. I might take a little video of it with my phone. I just can't. I can't. What is this music? At least play Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Everyone's favorite song. Oh, my God. I hate everybody. Am I? Is this just going to keep getting worse as I get older? Is music just going to keep getting more horrible? I mean, obviously it is, but... Okay. This is me recording I Seem Fun. This is my gorgeous view that has God's sunset, people. And listen to that music. It's coming from there. It's coming from that party right there. If you guys on the podcast are like, what is she doing? I'm making a video that I'm going to upload to the I Seem Fun page. Okay. 
Oh my God, she's so multimedia. There's a woman screaming help on the 16th floor. Go, go up there and see what's happening. Oh, I just don't like the music. You know, I'm fine. <laughs> Police are here. Um, oh, that's the light I want on. Okay. So there's a lot of fun lamps in this room. I got to tell you. Oh God. Uh, I should have known there was, this was a dumb person's hotel and there's no desk. I mean, there's like a table and a couch. So I just made a makeshift desk. Anyway, back to the article. So this guy is a year-round co- iced coffee drinker. I'm a year-round hot coffee drinker. Join the debate at facebook.com slash podcast or email me iceamfun at gmail.com. Give, give me your arguments if you're an all-year-round hot coffee drinker, all-year-round iced coffee drinker, or someone who does hot in the winter, iced in the summer. Give me the arguments. Okay, so this woman writes... Um, Ever since I found out Matt was one of these, uh, I, okay, the problem is I love Matt and I want to be around him. I knew the only way to abate this conflict between us was to address it head on. Clearly, Matt is passionate about his year-round iced coffee identity. I had a feeling he just needed a platform. So she um, printed a series of their texts. Matt, the day has come for you to shed light in the dark, twisted corners of year-round iced coffee drinking identity. This is your moment to shine. She said, it's so controversial, Matt. It's almost blasphemous to cold weather romantics like myself. How do you get in the cozy spirit with a freezing cold beverage? He said, well, it's a struggle, but soup helps. Blankets and angsty indie music also provide comfort. Do you get FOMO? I don't know what FOMO is. F-O-M-O? You can email me if you want, but everyone's gonna, so just don't. For the joy on our faces when all of us made the switch to iced coffee last week. Not really. It's more of an opportunity for me to check my privilege and realize not everyone gets to imbibe at their leisure throughout the year. This was eye-opening. Matt thinks that drinking iced coffee year-round is a privilege he has to check. I found this to be both hilarious and ludicrous and pressed him further. Eventually, I got to the heart of the matter. Matt says, why would I buy something and then stare at it for 20 minutes before consuming when I can buy the same thing at a more enjoyable temperature and begin partaking immediately? She said, sounds like you're highly addicted to coffee, Matt. He said, I would also like to point out there's another framing of this centered, another framing of this centered around efficacy and pragmatism. Okay. Matt's choice boils down to efficiency. He wants to mainline caffeine as quickly as possible. Well, stick it in a tampon and put it up your ass. His addiction is stronger than his desire to remain in emotional rhythm with the seasons. Interesting. I was eager to see if such pragmatism was common to this subset of coffee consumers, so I tapped my network to find others. And then she talked to the stranger. Uh, His focus is less on efficiency and more on refreshment. Oh, these didn't... (laughs) This printer didn't print the texts. Oh my God. I don't know what's happening, but okay. Well, anyway, the article didn't print correctly. I mean, classic icing fun. I print an article, I staple it. I try to do some research, but I think people who drink iced coffee at all are crazy year round. I literally don't trust them. It's like, um, 
I remember I used to have that crazy roommate. Do you guys remember when I told you I first moved to LA, I met some roommates on Craigslist and they were a couple and I lived with them in Los Feliz and the guy always wore a wool blazer, even in summer. And a friend of mine was like, that's how you know he's like a Charles Manson serial killer. Like if you don't feel temperature, you're sociopathic. And he kind of looked like Charles Manson. And then one time they told me that the people in 9-11 deserved to die because they worked on Wall Street. Oh, I don't even get me started on what they must be now. Rhymes with Ernie O. Okay. All right. This is for my friends with kids. Um, and this is in the, in the society now of uh, what's that weird news press guy called that lady, called that guy a cosmopolitan, which is secret for Jew. That's right. That's what Hitler used to call the Jews, cosmopolitans, or Stalin, I think it was. Ugh. I can't. The music is so loud and the sunset so pretty. I feel like that's what the future is. Just God or nature's beautiful sunset, man-made buildings made with steel and architecture and genius minds, and then ruined. The silence ruined by oons, 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 oons. Oh, I hate the future. I really do. Okay. All right. So this is an article about how to tell if you've given your baby an elite name. Um, So the Hollywood Reporter, I guess, explained a practice called elite naming. Experts on naming, including the author of 10 books and a popular naming blogger, say, quote, elite parents in urban areas – tend to give their babies unpopular, hard-to-pull-off names, which exposes those names to teeming masses of regular people who go on to ruin them with their commonness. (laughs) Which kind of baby namer are you? The quickest way to know is to examine the wisdom of the experts who offered examples of the top emerging mini-monikers broken down by location. According to the New York Post, according to the Post, New York, trendy, literary, has Dashiell, Sophie, Matilda, and Ophelia. Los Angeles, which is more playful and unisex, has Zen, Rivers, Story, James, for girls. And DC, which is more classic conservative, has Sam, Charlotte, Jack, Lily. Who the fuck doesn't know those names? Uh, Note, while the post mentions the 50,000 name database of Nameberry, a site founded by one of the experts, it's not clear how this list came about. Is your baby's name among those above? Congratulations, you're an elite namer. Soon the name you choose will be sullied by all the commoners copying you. If your name is not included in this expert's list, I have an alternative method for discerning your baby's name status. Go to the handy website Wolfram Alpha, W-O-L-F-R-A-M Alpha, and enter name, name popularity in the search bar. You'll be taken to a page that pulls from data of 2015 U.S. births and Social Security registrations, meaning the year 2015. You'll even see a graph depicting popularity over time. In other words, you will instantly know how popular your baby's name is and therefore how elite you're naming. The name Dudley is more popular than ever. Grover, the name Lena Dunham's Hannah Horvath chose for her baby in the final season of Girls, ranks 4,852nd and is given to 19 people per year. Oh, I didn't know she had a baby in the last season. Whoops. Spoiler alert. Ugh, I say I hate the future. And that's just me being a cranky old lady. But there is really good stuff about living in the future, which is living in the now, isn't it? Is that nothing changes in the sense that we are human beings who need to feed and clothe ourselves, but also take care of our mental health. And what's cool is that these days people are being more and more open about the fact that they go to therapy and more and more you realize, oh, it's not just 
a crazy person. I mean, I think we're beyond that by now. But I think people are really scared. And I think people don't want to get hoodwinked or swindled. And, you know, you have to, like, go through and find a therapist for you in your neighborhood. You could yelp them and you could ask a friend. But, you know, then maybe your insurance doesn't cover it. There's just so many... Everyone I know who's thinking about going to therapy is always like, I'm thinking about it. But then a month later, still thinking. But I think what they're really saying is I'm having some trouble with the red tape. This is why if you're one of those, I'm thinking about it. I've heard this ad so many times. You guys, why not make this the week to try Talkspace? You know how they say get your bikini body for the summer? Well, that's over. You're not going to have it. It's mid-August. But you can get your... You can get your mental health body. It's not, there's no good analysis, but get your bikini body for summer. Get your mental, get your mind for fall, right? Holiday season is in four months. People get depressed. People get stressed. And a, one other thing. Uh, why not get your mind ready now, right? If, you, if you're like, oh, I don't know, do I want to go visit my family? Am I, what if I have a breakup over the holidays? What if I am still with the person I don't like? What if I'm looking and can't find what, what if all these things, what if my boss doesn't give me a, a raise? Do I ask for one of the, I'm just so stressed. Start now. And that's why I love that Talkspace has stayed, you know, I loved Talkspace anyway. I'd heard about it. And I asked the people at all things comedy, if they could try to get Talkspace to advertise on this podcast. And they said, yeah, they'll give it a try. And, and they keep renewing because obviously it's working. You guys keep joining. I'm so excited. I just, I'm like therapy for everybody, please. And this is a way to do it. No matter what the healthcare crisis is bringing, this does not change Talkspace's availability. And what I love about it is this. So obviously the show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. So for as little as $32 a week, you can pick an experienced licensed therapist that you relate to and feel comfortable with. Now here's the important part. And I don't think we've really talked about this before, but they sent me some updated things to note. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3000 hours of supervised work. So this way, it makes it easier to match with your perfect therapist. Once you do, you can send them text, audio, and video messages, and you can even do a live video chat if that's what you want. The therapists are fully licensed. They go through a rigorous screening process, and again, they have thousands of hours of supervised professional training. So to match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com slash Jen, J-E-N, and of course, as a special oftener, oftener, oh. Should I go to uh, English as my first language classes or whatever? And as a special offer for my listeners, I seem funners, you can use coupon code JEN, J-E-N, one N and JEN, please, to get $30 off of your first month. And obviously it shows support for this podcast. Don't just go to Talkspace and don't put my name in it. You know you heard it from me. Talkspace.com slash JEN. Talkspace therapy for how we live today. Okay, so that's one good part about living in the future. I'll give you that. Oons, oons, sorry. Oh my God. Okay, so I had to give it up to the millennials. I know I give you guys shit. I, this is like Article Central. Millennials are the ones keeping libraries alive, is what I read. Uh, oh, I love libraries. I worked in one at college, and I see my friend Liz from time to time in New York city, she was my college roommate and we both used to work at the library and we used to stalk boys when they came in because they had to give you their phone number. There was no email address then. And you'd have their physical address. So you knew what dorm they lived in and what, you know, room number they had. And (laughs) all we would stalk people all the time that we had crushes on.
It worked. I went on a fun date once with this guy. I mean, literally looked so much like Kurt Cobain. People would gasp when he walked down the street. And we went to see that band Fits of Depression, F-I-T-Z, um, which is a band that Kurt Cobain liked as well. And then I hung out with the guy after and I was like, he's so boring. And then I left and then nothing ever happened with us. And then I looked him up. He lives in Seattle now and he's in, but in the computer programming way, not in the grunge band way. He's, let's just say a different weight than he was in college. Doesn't have long blonde hair anymore. Uh, literally looks like closer to Sean Spicer than Kurt Cobain. I don't know how people change that radically. It's crazy to me, but that's just one of those things. Girls, this is older sister, Jen. If the boy in your college looks like, I don't know, what's that band called? Cigarettes that everyone loves. What's it called? Isn't there a band called cigarettes or something? Something like that. Whatever, whatever band member you think is cute. He may grow up to look like a Republican, uh, press secretary. So just don't lament if he doesn't like you back or if he turns out boring. All right. Good story. Isn't there I smoke and cigarettes or uh, caffeine and coffee? There's some band called Cigarette Brigade or something. Okay. Uh, this article, uh, uh, Quartz Media. I don't even know what that is. QZ.com. Uh, long live the public library. It's not dead yet. I just have to give a shout out to my friend, Tim, ooh, ooh. Um, who's going to ask me, who was that person in college? Uh, what's Tim's name on Twitter? I'll give him a shout out. You shall follow him. Does he tweet a lot? Oh, yeah, he does. Tim's super funny and fun and a sweet guy. And uh, I mentioned him in my book. I can barely take care of myself. Tim was a roommate of mine in college. My mom was like, I can't believe my mom let me live with dudes. But, you know, there was no hanky panks going on. We were all dating other people. Um, Tim is T Douglas at T Douglas 125 on Twitter. Uh, follow him. Uh, he's a good guy. Okay. What was my point? Oh, millennials are saving libraries. So according to a new analysis of Pew Research Center data on U.S. library attendance, millennials, more than other generations, appear to have a use for physical libraries. They may not always come for the books, but the country's youngest adults show up. That works out well because librarians have been designing with them in mind. Oh, you smart librarians, you. Pew researchers surveyed a nationally representative population of 1,600 Americans in 2016. It found that millennials, arguably the first generation to grow up online, use public libraries more than other older adults. More than half, 53% of survey respondents ages 13 to 35, visited a public library or bookmobile within the previous year. Which is once. We're going to base the, 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 they're saving the libraries because they went once. Not all keep reading. That's not bad for a tech-obsessed bunch deemed lost to the screen. What, one went within a, pre- okay. One visit. It's, why is my TV screen blank? What is happening in this hotel? It's notable that the results did not include attendance at academic libraries. That means millennials answering affirmatively weren't college students referring to campus institutions. That's cool. So that would naturally skew the outcome. You know, so this is really like they're actually going to libraries. By comparison, only 45% of disaffected. Now, why do you have to call us disaffected? Gen Xers, 36 to 51 years old. What? Why are we disaffected? Fuck you. 
And and 43% of enthusiastic baby boomers, yeah, because you fucked it up for everyone, baby boomers, 52 to 70 years old, visited a public reference center in the 12 months prior to being surveyed. I wrote most of my books in public libraries. I went to the New York Public Library a few weeks ago. I'm getting all mad. I do it too. Behind the numbers, there are a few reasons for the strong millennial attendance record. Uh, says Rachel Clark, an assistant professor at Syracuse University School of Information Studies in New York. She points out that millennials are old enough to have kids now and parents love public libraries. Okay. Pew's research supports this claim. Well, that's good. You're bringing the next generation up. 56% of parents with children under 18 years old visited a library in the previous year, while only 43% of non-parents did. Oh my God, I went to the library every day during summer vacation when I was a kid. Loser. Look how smart I is now. Uh, you're not going to some camp. You're going to the library every day. I know these people want their kids to grow up to be. I'll tell you right now, the people that grew up in the library is me sitting in my room doing a podcast, having a respectable one glass of wine uh, after a pot of coffee. And the, the dumb people that didn't go to libraries, they're at the uns uns party across the street. Um... Younger adults may also have few, fewer financial resources and be more likely to live in small or shared spaces they long to escape. Having somewhere to go that is both free and safe is valuable under those circumstances. Additionally, the survey results reflect the wisdom and effort of librarians planning for the future. I love this part. She says that in recent years, the profession has obsessed over emerging adults and how to best serve their needs. The results highlight an evolution in public libraries. There's a lot more stuff going on at the library now, and librarians are excited about trying new things. What are the new things? Library is a place that's always been important historically. Still, things have changed in recent years. Many public reference centers have shifted their focus from offering things to browse and borrow to providing services and being a social space. While classes at the library aren't an entirely new concept, librarians are now doing much more than showing kids how to use a card catalog. Many public references, sorry, reference centers offer targeted classes for emerging adults in particular, teaching everything from car repair and financial literacy to job hunting and general adulting, things that used to be taught in schools. Oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, there's meeting spaces for community groups and technology petting zoos that provide opportunities to explore 3d printers and other tech gadgetry. I don't like the 3d printer. Ooh, I'll let you know. The stodgy old library seems to be turning into a party animal. Beer and book nights or afternoon coffee clutches are common. Coffee and libraries go together. Wine, beer in a library. Can you up it to wine, wine and books, not beer and books. Where are we animals? Anyway, the article gets boring. Yeah, it gets boring. That's right. It's a way longer article than I thought. <laughs> so you can read it yourself. QZ.com or just Google what I said. <gasps> I have a DM. Sorry. All right. Well, what else is going on? Is Did I? I think I'm done. Oh, let me read this. And don't be all like, stop with the politics, because I'm going to end on this. So turn your computer off now if you don't want to hear it. Uh, there's a guy on Twitter who wrote an amazing thread about having, he's an ex, uh, well, he's not a harasser, but a Bernie supporter who realized something. So I'm going to read it to you. And if you don't like it, then turn it off. Okay. 
So here's his original. He wrote two, two threads about it. He wrote, I owe Hillary Clinton an apology. I owe her supporters an apology. Obviously, this is over 15 tweets. I'm just going to read it like a thing. I supported Bernie Sanders in the primary. I voted for Hillary Clinton in the election, but I was really voting against Donald Trump. I liked Bernie because I believed in his message. I still do. He spoke, mm, you guys will see. He spoke about issues I cared about long before I had ever heard of him. I always imagine myself a disenfranchised voter because I'm not a member of either party. I strongly believe a duopoly is undemocratic. I used to, but I actually think it's the most democratic thing you can do. Anyway, Bernie talked about this, but I realize now there's a lot of things Bernie didn't talk about or I didn't talk about enough. For instance, I may be disenfranchised, but I can still vote. There's a lot of people who cannot. They can't vote at all in any election. And there are other things he talked about too much. One of those things is Hillary. He gave my bias a voice. He wasn't honest about her. He painted her as a villain. She's not a villain. Donald Trump is a villain. He painted her as corrupt. Again, Donald Trump, anyone? I realized today I had a strong bias against Hillary that isn't grounded in reality. I realized this because I see her differently now. She's incredibly intelligent. She's deeply knowledgeable. And if she only cared about money, she wouldn't need either of those things. She would just run as a Republican. But you don't need to know shit to accumulate wealth as a Republican. But she's a Democrat by choice. She made mistakes. We all do. But she was never treated fairly. Her mistakes weren't explained. They were used as fodder against her. I never got to know the real Hillary because after a lifetime of assaults, it was near impossible for her to come across as authentic. I now see how badly she has been mistreated by Bernie, by the press, by me. I'm ashamed of that, and I'm deeply sorry about it, too. At Hillary Clinton, I apologize. I did not get to know you. You're the public servant we need but never deserved. You'd make a great POTUS president in the United States. So then he wrote an updated thread. Again, this is a series of 15 emails. Once upon a time, I wrote a thread apologizing to Hillary Clinton and her supporters. That apology was inadequate. Every now and again, it curiously starts making the rounds, and I invariably hear the words, thanks, this means so much to me. I didn't understand. I hadn't done anything spectacular in my mind. What could be so special about this apology? And so I've listened patiently and for many months as women shared their thoughts and experiences with me. They've taught me a lot. In some ways, I don't think it's about me. I think I represent an archetype of sorts. If I can be reached, others like me also can. In other ways, I can see how it would be cathartic. I never imagined so many people would see it. I'm just happy I've helped in some way. But it's an inadequate apology, as I said, and it was given for the wrong reasons. I know this now because I've been listening to you. So let me tell you what I'm really sorry about. I'm sorry I was so close-minded at the time that I valued confirmation bias over facts. I'm sorry I didn't listen to you, the men and women who stood beside her. I'm sorry if I made it even harder to hear your voices. And I'm most especially sorry if I made it harder for you to use your voice out of apprehension and doubt at how it would be received. I'm really sorry, and I sincerely apologize to all of you. You see, I know something now I did not know then. I know that many, many women are afraid to use their voices with very good reason. I know that you are faced with unimaginable toxicity. I know the lengths you go to in order to minimize it when and where you can. I know it has a chilling effect on your speech, and I know that many supporters of both Donald and Bernie scared you into silence. I did not actively contribute to any of this, but I am still ashamed of it, and I will not apologize for calling out such behavior now. So I thought that was cool. 
I thought that was cool. Good for you, dude. I forgot to put his name on here. So if you're like, how can I thank him? You can't. Until next week, have fun.